Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Fran Toy and Dr. Sharon Dixon, who are both working at Oxford on this project. We're going to discuss the paper that they've recently published here in the BJGP, alongside their colleagues Jen McLennan and Abigail McNiven, titled Understanding Primary Care Perspectives on Supporting Women's Health Needs, a Qualitative Study. So thanks, Fran and Sharon, for talking to me today about this paper, focusing on women's health care needs. I suppose it's important to talk about the policy background to this work, as it frames the paper and its findings quite a bit. But could you just talk us through this to start, and specifically the recent women's health strategy for England and how that relates to this work as well? So um, thank you, Nada. So this um, particular study was actually funded by the National Institute for Health Research Policy Research Programme. So it has quite a, um, as you as you've highlighted, um, large policy components, and it's really in the backdrop of the um, women's health strategy, which has strongly identified a need to, to develop how we support women's needs in healthcare. So actually, the 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 NIHR policy research program wanted us to explore and invited us to explore, funded us to explore primary care perspectives on the. I suppose some of the the the, the values and the perspectives uh, and the challenges of of supporting women's healthcare needs in a very sort of global and qualitative way. Yeah. Anything you wanted to add, Sharon? Yeah. I mean, there are there are kind of historical inequities in outcomes and experience in women's health. And it's we're so grateful and glad to see that being recognised in, in policy and in commitment to understanding where we are, but also understanding how to move forwards and try and uh, enable and improve care across those, those care journeys. And in the consultation for the women's health strategy, the need to really hear and respond to the voices of people accessing services was was so clear and so powerful. But actually really important that they also recognised hearing the perspectives and the experiences and the opportunities, challenges identified by the people delivering care. And primary care in England is a critical component at the start of those care journeys. Mm. And as you mentioned, this was <clears throat> a qualitative study of a primary care staff. So you interviewed GPs and 15 other primary care members of the team, including nurses and other roles. And it's really interesting. So in terms of the results, you uh, have looked at six different main themes, and I wanted to just try and unpick some of the main findings here. But you talk about the themes in terms of a storyline. What were your interviews telling you here about the perspectives and experiences of how they felt dealing with women's care needs. I wonder whether it might be really, it'd be really nice and useful to, to, to for Sharon and I to talk you through kind of that storyline and so and the main uh, and the main themes that we found. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there, there were six of those. Um, so if I start off, uh, the first one um, uh, being alongside um, uh, patients from from cradle to grave uh, was the sort of the core value, the centre of this story that we that we wanted to tell. Um, and this talks about the strengths of primary care, of having oversight of people, of being within their social context, understanding their social context, understanding. Uh, um, I really like the phrase that somebody used, some of the primary care or general practice is people's health home. And 
Um, it's underpinned by relationships which can unlock important information about people that might be a barrier to their care. It's underpinned by the idea that women aren't just their reproductive organs, that, that, that there is a, a life journey for women, that the, the primary care practitioners and particularly general practitioners are with women along that journey. Um, and maybe the word, you know, uh, generalist doesn't mean not specialist. Um, that they have special skills in that um, being alongside in relational aspects of care is really the very centre of this of the findings that we um, uh, that we talk about in this in the paper. And moving on from this cradle to grave theme, what were your other main main findings, main themes coming out from the interviews? Yeah, so, well, so I would agree. I'm going to pick pick up there. I think the storyline hinges around the really heartfelt core component of what it what it is to be in primary care, what it is to be a primary care clinician, and that people work yeah, more than the condition that they present, that we have this opportunity to map symptoms and conditions across multiple body domains, to relate social context and all of their life experiences together, and that that really becomes the heart of it. But within that comes opportunities for advocacy and opportunities for yeah for this real relational care Mm. I think I think we use the term expert generalists and I think one of the things that we talk about then is this tension between being an expert generalist and an expert generalist with with perhaps a special interest and that was really important to people and this was an area that people felt passionately about and they were getting huge job satisfaction and enjoyment from delivering and from developing pockets of specialism within their expert generalist role but it was quite important that it sat within a generalist role and there were sometimes a little bit of a tension about if some members of the team become upskilled or develop a kind of special interest then they might become the go-to person and there were real opportunities to upskill whole teams through your writing in your notes through practice education through role modeling through support of others but there were perhaps intentions and risks about de-skilling others or, or leaving others feeling less confident to do that and how that sits in an evolving model of, of community care and general practice, I think was quite an important finding that we that we pull out. Mm-hmm. And that's within the primary care teams. We've got another theme that kind of thinks about how that then sits in the evolution of care and the wider care systems, because there was a lot of interest and support for this idea of how we can better work together to offer holistic accessible good gynecological care women's health care community care and this idea of collaborating across teams and across settings to deliver it but one of the things we really heard about was this opportunity for bi-directional learning I think there's sometimes a bit of a sense that the expertise will be brought in and what we were hearing is about really powerful examples of where that's used bi-directionally so that kind of everybody's care is better for that learning, the kind of general practitioner, holistic, multi-system, multi-morbidity expertise. Uh, Practitioners were really committed to this idea of equitable care. They were really aware of the populations they serve and who they looked after, but also worried about who they weren't seeing and worried about things that make it harder for some of them or people who might find it access to care and were worried about systems that might make that harder. The, the, the next theme is, again, more about sort of systems level uh, issues. And you talk about the limited resources that the practitioners highlighted in practice as well. Yes, and I think I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that, uh, that one. Um, and this is the theme that you're talking about, firefighting. That, that, that there's the idea that we feel like we're firefighting all the time, that we're always 
you know, we're working with limited resources and trying to um, do all the things that Sharon's just been talking about. And one of the risks here um, that when we are firefighting is that that it risks having more transactional rather than relationships, uh, consultations and um, based on relationships which is what we were back back to at the beginning. This is the story that we're telling, that actually once we risk transactional relationships, it can cause problems. And so we saw um, that the practitioners had ideals about these core values that they were trying to keep hold of, but actually the resources weren't weren't allowing that to happen all the time. Um, and really importantly as well in terms of um, primary care and general practice is that These impacts on job satisfaction, on professional values can really be starting to have an impact on perhaps recruitment and retainment of staff. Mm, And one thing that the practitioners picked up on were things like appointment length time and access considerations. That's really interesting. But I wanted to pick up uh, on something that you mentioned about um, issues around burnout or job satisfaction. The final theme that you discuss in this study is how GPs were being cast as the villain. And that links in a bit to this challenge of limited resources. So what were practitioners saying here about how they felt they were being cast in the media and general public? Um, Yes. So the theme uh, being cast as the villain really explores, and again, in the context of this story of your core value being relational and alongside and for the for the people, you know, and importantly here, some of the the, the the media stories is the antithesis to the care that people are trying to provide. So it's actually putting up barriers to this sort of relational care that, that, that is so important and underpins general practice. So this theme also talks about wanting a more sort of open discussion rather than one where we felt that, you know, we were sort of being media bashed. Mm. Yeah, and I think people talked about their experience that that was being translated kind of into individual interactions at a consultation level, and that that was quite demoralising. So, so you know, people people coming in kind of coming in ready for a fight, as a, which you weren't wanting to give and you weren't planning. You know, mm. that wasn't where you were starting. Mm. So that I guess touches on what I wanted to just discuss about some of the implications of what you found in this paper about what would work for practitioners and you've touched upon longer appointments or how we might be able to innovate potentially between primary and secondary care but what do you think are the main implications for practice what would you like gps to take away from this or possibly policymakers or service delivery people i well i think what i take away from it was the absolute commitment to seeing it happen but the constraints and the challenges they're facing and I think what I think we heard is how much GPs kind of wisdom, insights and perspectives and the questions they're asking about who we've seen, but who we might not see and what might work to enable that and what might not work and where you put care made me feel that a really important thing that we might say is that working kind of that collaborative working, but system solution development working with GPs and hearing and listening to the teams alongside obviously the perspectives of people using services like the it just felt like there was this huge body of wisdom that we could tap as we as we move forward to 
work out how we can do this better, which I think everybody also wanted to do. And it needs to not undervalue or undermine general practice core primary care. And that's, I think, where that we're more than the sum of our parts comes in. And I think it's really important that we, I mean, we didn't particularly set out to hear about what Fran was just talking about, about the living in the spotlight of the media or feeling like the villain. But it was so powerful in the accounts that we heard. And it feels like that's important to hear as as well, given the challenges in general practice about staff well-being, recruitment and retention, which is so important to focus on. A couple of key things I'd like to sort of, I suppose, add from from the perspective of somebody who's a researcher and not not worked in primary care for a very long time. I did, did a, a very long time ago. Is that actually, you know, thinking about the words, you know, general generalism, to understand that that is especially is that relational skills and continuity of care and being alongside someone from cradle to grave, and being with them during the ebbs and flow of a woman's lifetime. We're talking about women's health, but that extends to all all healthcare. Um, is a specialism that, and if we if we disregard that specialism, then that that. That that is going to cause problems for people. So it's reframing, I suppose, general care, primary care as as, as having special skills, special special stuff that people choose to 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 go into, and because uh, they want to be alongside people. Um, and just the other very small thing from a research perspective, what it what it highlighted to me is that when we're engaged in pieces of research, be this trials or whatever, we have to hear the voice of primary care because that has just a a major implication for translation of health research if we're not hearing what's happening in primary care we are missing a big an important thing Mm -hmm. really interesting ideas that you're talking about here about gps as specialists and especially as advocates for their patients in trying to maximize equity and their own specialist knowledge that they're developing alongside to to help these populations so I think that's been really fascinating to hear about but um, yeah I think that's a really great place to wrap things up it's been really interesting hearing about this and as you say it's really important to hear the voices of the practitioners as well in in potentially thinking about how services might be developed or, or run in the future as well so I just wanted to say thank you very much to both of you Fran and Sharon Thank you very much. Thank you, Nada. And thank you all very much for your time here and for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. I've previously spoken to Jen McLennan and Sultana B about another project linked to this work uh, about help seeking around the perimenopause and menopause amongst ethnic minorities. So we'll link to that podcast as well. But thanks again for listening, and bye!